You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here, to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week, we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Darren Elf is on the show today. As one of the world's most experienced bicycle travelers, the author of four popular cycling books, and the founder of BicycleTouringPro.com, Darren Elf has helped thousands of people plan, prepare for, and execute their own bicycle tours all around the world. He is the Bicycle Touring Pro, and he started bicycle touring at just 17 years old and really hasn't ever stopped. He currently calls home Salt Lake City, Utah, where he offers tours around the area for beginners and seasoned bikers, including his popular Bikes and Burritos tour in Salt Lake City. Darren is the author of a great guidebook called The Bicycle Touring Blueprint. On this episode, Darren will tell us how he got his start, some of his tour adventures, and surviving cancer. Be sure to check out his website when you can, www.bicycletouringpro.com. Here's Darren. All right. Well, on the show today, we have Darren Elf. How are you, Darren? Very good. Good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is going to be so exciting. At least it's super exciting for me because I have been following you and a fan of yours for I don't even know how long. So it's, it's I don't know, I'm over the top excited that now here we are, at least voice to voice, and I can ask you all the questions that I think of when I'm reading your blog or listening to your YouTube videos. Now here you are. Yes. No, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. I think this is going to be fun. Yeah. And for listeners out there who don't know who Darren Alf is, he is literally, literally the bicycle touring pro. So if you are at a place where you can write it down, jot down bicycletouringpro.com because after you're done listening to this podcast, you will definitely want to go check out his website. Um, but Darren is world traveler on his bicycle, You've written books, you do YouTube videos, like, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything you can't do, Darren. Yeah, I do I do a little bit of everything. I'm kind of everywhere. Yeah. But yeah, like, I, I was one of the first people, I think, that was blogging about bike touring, you know, back yeah. when blogging was just starting out. So a lot of people know me from that, and then I've just kind of expanded to YouTube and podcasts and everything else since then. And way back in the day, um, like when I got my first touring bike, I literally looked at your blogs and the photographs that you, I don't even know if there was Facebook back then. I don't think (laughs) there was, no, because I would find pictures and then that's what helped me figure out, you know, how to properly weight my bike and if I should have more weight in the back or in the front and if I should have front bags and back bags and, um, you know, and, and of course... It's always up to the person as far as comfort level, but man, back in the early days, you gave me so much inspiration that you, I don't know, I'm, can you tell that I'm a big fan? 
Yeah. No, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, a, a lot of my website is devoted to kind of the bicycle touring basics. Uh-huh. Um, because that's how the site got started. Is I, I was helping a friend of mine at the time conduct his first bike tour over the phone, just like we're talking right now, you know, and I was kind of telling him all my secrets because at that point I had been bike touring for 10 years. Oh, wow. And he had never gone on a bike tour before. And and so I was just telling him all this stuff over the phone about how to pack the bike and blah, blah, blah. And and I thought after I had that conversation with him, I thought if I could write all this stuff down and put it on the Internet, I could probably help a lot of people. Yeah. And that's kind of how my website got started. And and that's also where the name like Bicycle Touring Pro kind of came from. It was it was an aspirational sort of name for myself because I was like, I wish I could get paid to ride my bicycle <laughs> around the world. Right. And, and also, I was like, well, I'm going to help other people turn into bicycle touring pros. You know, I'm going to take them from people that are totally new to cycling or bicycle touring and turn them into pros. So the name has two meanings to me. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And have you always been into cycling or is it something that you, um, you know, started to enjoy as an adult? Honestly, I've, I've been bike touring around the world now for 21 years. Wow. And, and I still don't consider myself like a cyclist, <laughs> Really? <laughs> you know? Uh, no. And I, th- I think there's a lot of people that are into bicycle touring actually that think that same way. You know, we, I know like Alistair Humphreys. Do you know him? He's like a, a guy that's cycled around the world. He's from England and yep. he's an author of a whole bunch of books. And um, I know he doesn't think of himself as a cyclist, even though he's done more cycling than most people in the world will ever do, you know? Right. And I'm I'm kind of in that same boat where it's it's something I do, but I don't, I don't know. I, I, I still like when I meet up with other cyclists, I think I'm just a newbie compared to them or something. Wow. And and maybe it's because you document it so well. Like, you know, when you, um, well, we'll get into it a little bit, but like you've been on some bike packing adventures, which, you know, if people don't understand, there is a little bit of a difference between bike touring and bike packing. And I'm going to ask you for your definition in in a minute. But when I see you, you know, you're in your tent and you unzip your tent and then you're talking to the camera and telling a little bit about where you've been and where you're going, like that's, that kind of stuff, you know, I look to you as a cyclist and as a professional. So um, whatever you're doing as far as marketing yourself, it is working. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And are you currently like in the middle of a cycling tour or do you actually have a home base where you go back to at some point in the year? Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of a good question because every year is different. Mm. Um some some years I'm on the road nonstop, and some years I come home and and do that sort of thing, and then go out on another big trip. Um, right now I'm at home in Park City, Utah. That's kind of my home base. Mm. But pri- prior to the pandemic, I hadn't been home for seven years. Wow! So I was traveling straight for seven years, just nonstop. And and honestly, I was getting really tired because you spend half of your trying to figure out where you're going to sleep the next night mm-hmm. and the other half of your time trying to find food and water and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was, I just felt like I wasn't being as productive as I could be um, living that way. But at the same time, I had a lot of awesome experiences that people, most people won't ever have. So yeah, for sure. there's, you know, there's, there's trade-offs to 
both styles of living. But yeah, it's kind of been nice to be home uh, since the pandemic. And I've just been doing local bike tours and a lot of mountain biking and things like that. So um, it's been nice after seven straight years of traveling to just be home for a little bit. Right, yeah. right. And um, like I mentioned, you know, go to the bicycletouringpro.com website. And I know right now you are offering tours with you uh, kind of around your home base. So I think that's a pretty cool advantage to you being in your home area. You know the area so well that you can actually be hired to, you know, let me let you tour or let me take you on a tour of where I live and turn it into a bike event. Yeah, I'm hosting several bike tours this coming like spring, summer, and fall uh, in Park City, Utah, where I live, and kind of in the neighboring areas. And, and a lot of these trips, are they're, they're short. They're mm-hmm. two, three, four days, something like that, um, which a lot of people enjoy because most people are working and they, they just can't get you know, a year off to go on a big right, bike tour. Right. Um, so the fact that they can squeeze a bike tour into 24 hours over the weekend or something uh, is an amazing thing. So I hold this event called the Bikes and Burritos Overnight Bicycle Tour, where we ride for a day, we go to a nearby campsite, we eat burritos and have a campfire and just get to know the other people in the group. And then we camp there overnight. And the next day we bike back to where we started Mm -hmm. and and that event i've been doing that for five years or so and people love it so i'm doing two of those next summer uh in park city utah as well as two longer tours Uh, i'm looking forward to it's fun because uh, when you run a website you hardly ever see the people that you're interacting with you know and maybe with a pod with a podcast as well you, you know, they're listening to you, but you don't get to see who's listening to you. Sure. So yeah. it, it's great to actually like put faces to people and be like, oh, John and, you know, Cassie and, yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah. So um, I, I love that about actually getting out and getting people on, on tours. Yeah. And, you know, the short tours, like you mentioned, just kind of a weekend tour, it's to me, good for both types of people, the people who maybe do tons of touring, but just kind of want a chill weekend to uh, maybe gain some experience from you, you know, from all the things that you've done, and just go have fun for a weekend. But it's also so cool for people that are dabbling, you know, gosh, can I be a bike packer? Or can I be a bike tourist? Um, I, I can see it being beneficial to pretty much anybody out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the people that come on these bikes and burritos overnight tours uh, have never before, have never done a bike tour, mm. and this is their first attempt at trying. You know, yeah. So, and it is like the perfect thing because we usually only ride twenty, thirty miles, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to make it as flat as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Don't take them up a giant hill. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great to get people who are totally new out there, and and it's fun to be in a group and stuff because. If you have trouble setting your tent up or something like yeah, that, you've got the right team, to help right? You, yeah, you know. And to top it off so, with burritos, I mean, come on, this yeah, sounds well, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love burritos. Yeah. That's like the one when I'm traveling the world, I'm constantly looking for burritos. You know, I'm in South America or <laughs> yeah. something. Where's the burritos? 
Darren, yeah. you need to write a book on the burritos of the world. You like you could maybe uh, oh, rate them all. There's and not say... very many. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I've had some terrible burritos in <laughs> other parts of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so we kind of talked a little bit about it, but you know, there's, in my opinion, there's a big difference between bike packing and bike touring, and I feel that you're going to have a similar answer to what I would say. So, do you want to kind of explain the difference between the two? A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. Oh, gosh. Well, I don't know what you would say, but but I would say that like bicycle terrain is this broad umbrella of a term that mm-hmm. kind of... There's a whole bunch of different types of bicycle touring um, or bike touring. And underneath that are things like road touring and sport touring and all. And there's a million different definitions. And bikepacking is kind of one of these terms that goes underneath bicycle touring, in my opinion. Yes. So bikepacking generally refers to an off-road adventure with bikepacking bags um, instead of maybe an on-road adventure with panniers or a trailer, if that makes any sense. Yep, that's exactly um, what I would say is bikepacking is a little bit more um, rugged, meaning there may not be a hotel in your future, there may not be running water, you know, it, uh, that's probably a little extreme, but it's definitely a little bit more, I don't know if rugged's the right word, because you can find trails that you can bikepack on. Sure. Yeah. But no, you're right. I mean, bikepacking generally refers to some sort of like off-road, almost like backpacking. Yeah. You know, you aren't like, it's almost like hitchhiking versus backpacking or something. Hitchhiking, you're on the road mm-hmm. and there's cars and gas stations <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. And backpacking, you're out in the wilderness Yeah. and you're drinking out of a lake or something. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's something like that. Yeah. And I know. But, but you oftentimes hear people saying, I'm going on a bikepacking trip. And it's really a bicycle touring trip. You know, they're on a road bike and they have panniers, but you hear them say, I'm going bikepacking. I think bikepacking has become a term that people use nowadays to kind of refer to both, mm-hmm. but but it's maybe incorrectly used in that particular way. And it's generally bikepacking is off-road with bikepacking bags, whereas bicycle touring is on road with panniers or a trailer or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and both of them are similar in that you're taking all your junk or your stuff and yeah. making it fit on your bike and then <laughs> hoping for the best. <laughs> yeah, it's not like a totally new sport or anything. That's right. why I, I always try to explain it as it's, you know, under this umbrella term of bicycle terrain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know you've done both. You've done bike packing and you've done, you know, tons and tons of bike touring where you have yeah. the panniers and you're on pavement, but do you have a preference? Well, I mean, I've done so much more road touring than I have bikepacking, but I can totally see why bikepacking has become so popular in recent years. Mm-hmm. And I think it's largely because, well, there's two reasons. One, it gets you more into nature than road touring does. Mm-hmm. And along the same lines, you don't have to deal with cars as much. Yeah. And I know that's huge for yes. a lot of people. Yes. Um, there's so many people that are just afraid to cycle in the roads, especially nowadays, I think, with everyone on their phone. It's pretty frightening, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
just how few people are paying attention when they're driving. So I think that's a big part of why bikepacking has become so popular. It gets you in the nature and it gets you away from cars. Mm-hmm. And those are two things that cyclists really enjoy. Yes. The downside maybe is that bikepacking is a lot more technical oftentimes. So you don't see a lot of the older cyclists, you know, riding on rough single track trails mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're sticking more to gravel roads and paved bike paths and things like that. But but uh, but yeah, I mean, bikepacking definitely has some advantages over road touring for mm-hmm. sure. Okay, so think about some specifics as far as like you know you've been you've been the bicycle touring pro for over 20 years and I'm sure that you've been bicycle adventuring longer than that but can you give us some highlights or maybe some fun trips that you've done within the United States? Sure um I when I started bicycle touring I was 17 years old and I rode from Oregon to Mexico down the California coastline that was kind of my first bike tour Ooh. and it- then the the did you do it? Did year you... I rode across America. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Did you do that first trip solo? No, I. My parents didn't want me to do it solo, so I recruited three of my like best friends at the time to ride different legs of the trip with me. Oh, so I yeah. had one person with me at all times, but I was the only person that rode the entire length of oh, the cool. state, basically. Wow. So it was fun. Yeah, it was a good introduction. And then the following year. I wanted to do another bike tour, so I rode across America from east to west, but I couldn't get anyone to go with me. So that was the first time that I actually did a trip alone, and it really changed the the way the trip went. You know, it was a totally different experience being by myself. Yeah, and you didn't you? Person. And you were eighteen years old, right? Yeah. yeah. Wow, what an experience! I I can't even yeah, imagine. I mean, it's, that, it, it's that time of life too when you're just like trying to you know, create your own independence and right. get out on your own for the first time in your life. So that's, for me at least, it was really, that it was kind of a test of like, can I survive on my own, <laughs> you know? Well, I was just trying Not to think. just on a bike trip, but as an adult. Yeah, yeah. as a, as a yeah. human being. But I was trying to think, you know, right. back when I was 18 years old, if I would have had the maturity to, you know, ride my bike 60 or 70 days or I don't know how long it took you in a row and fend for myself. I don't know if I had the maturity either at the time, frankly. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, but it's been good for me. Like bike touring has been good because it, it has pushed me in a lot of ways to do these things that would otherwise be very uncomfortable. You know, like yeah. I get invited into strangers' homes and I have to sit down and eat a meal that, frankly like disgust me sometimes or something you know what I mean and it's, it's just like a million things that happen on a bike tour that that really challenge you and and I think that's honestly like one of the things that I like most about bike touring is is that it pushes you yeah. not not just physically on the bike but in a whole bunch of other different ways oh yeah and to have that experience at such a young age like I'm assuming now you know when something may be a little bit difficult comes up in your life and I'm not talking major things I'm talking like you know I don't even know what you can look back and be like you know what when I was 17 years old I rode my bike down the California coast so I can do anything yeah maybe maybe (laughs) yeah well yeah um I don't know if you know but like I I was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago I do I yeah tell the listeners a little bit about that 
you know, experience and, and you're recovering, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm okay now, but yeah, I had testicular cancer actually, which I don't know if that had anything to do with the cycling, but my doctors all said, no, it didn't, mm-hmm. and that cycling was probably good for me. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I had been on a two-year-long bike tour before that happened, and I felt like I was in the best shape of my entire life. And then I came home from that trip just to spend the holidays with my parents. And while I was home, I figured out that I had cancer. Mm. Um, and I basically spent the next five months in bed <laughs> or just going to my doctor. Mm-hmm. And then and then one day I just woke up and I was like, oh, I, I can't keep living like this. I got to get back out on the bike. So I flew to Portugal. And after five months of doing nothing and like, having surgery and all this kind of stuff. And I flew to Portugal and I did like, uh, I think it was just a two month long trip across Portugal, Spain and Andorra Wow. and France, a little bit of France. And, but I can't tell you the first day I was dying so bad. <laughs> I was like, crawl, I was crawling on the floor. And oh. You know, my bike, my bike turn days might be over or something. Cause, <sighs> you know, I, I before I was just cycling a hundred miles a day or something yeah, no like big that. deal, and, and right? I was struggling to go like ten miles, you know. Wow. And yeah, but just like with anybody who goes on a bike tour, the first few days are very hard, and then once you get into it, it becomes a little bit easier. And that was the case for me, even after having cancer and mm-hmm. everything. So. I always tell people like the first three days of a bike tour are really the hardest. Yeah, so, don't don't give up within the first. You know, you got to give yourself at least a week before you can yeah. decide to bail. But and I I think I read, um, you know, post cancer when you're like I got to get back out on my bike. You had to be really specific with your time frame because you were kind of in between appointments, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, my doctors wanted to do follow-up tests. I had to have CT scans and all kinds of stuff done, uh, blood tests and that sort of thing to make sure the cancer hadn't spread. So every three months, I was basically flying back to Southern California for these tests. And then in between the tests, I would go off and go on a bike tour, (laughs) Um, and which was kind of good in a way because it was somewhat therapeutic. But at the same time, like I had this lingering fear in me the entire time I was on the road that maybe there was something wrong with me and that the next time I returned home, they were going to find something. Yeah, you know? So sure. it was really kind of a terrible time in my life. And it, and I, I'm like six years out now from having cancer, but it, it honestly feels like it's been three months and I'm still very much dealing with it. Right. So yeah. It, it hasn't been easy, but, but I, I'm kind of proud of myself that like I've, continued to do this even in my situation yeah Yeah. and I was gonna say you know congratulations for you know making it through that super tough time but I I, like you mentioned I mean it's not something that just can go away physically and mentally yeah yeah it's the it's the mental part that's much harder Mm -hmm. and but I think that's true with bike touring as well it's like a lot of people focus so much on the gear and the bike and your body, you know, how how in shape you have to be. And they don't really focus too much on all the mental aspects of what it's going to be like to be alone or to Mm -hmm. be in a foreign part of the world or, or, you know, talking with strangers who have opposing viewpoints in you and all these sorts of things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, I, I like those aspects of bike touring 
but they're challenging. And I guess there's some aspect of getting cancer that has been good for me too, from a mental standpoint, but it's, it's also been incredibly challenging. A quick interruption to give a shout out to Primal Wear. Cycling is their passion and apparel is their craft. So if you're in the market for a new jersey, bibs, mask, or any cycling apparel, go to primalwear.com and use code PRIMALMURF to get 20% off your purchase. Yes, 20% off. Now back to the show. Well, when you think about all the places you've pedaled in the United States, I don't know if you'll say Utah is your favorite place to cycle, but any memorable states or any memorable communities or events that you're like, I need other people to experience this too. Yeah. Well, I, I'm always telling people that the West Coast of the United States is the best mm. for, for cycling. I, I just love the West Coast. I've cycled down the West Coast twice now, you know, from Canada to Mexico, basically. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't think there's anywhere better in the United States than that. Uh, the views are incredible. There's so many hiker-biker campsites and stuff. It's just set up so well mm-hmm. for long-distance cycling that, I don't know, I, I've, like, people, people go across America, which is a cool goal to have, I guess, like, just to say you've gone from east to west or something, mm-hmm. but there's so much of that route that's so boring, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I, I never, I never want to bike across Kansas ever again, um, <laughs> You know, but, but the West coast is so amazing. Washington with all the islands and, and, uh, the forests and then the views where you're right on this cliff and the ocean is right, you know, a hundred feet below you or whatever. Yeah. And you can see whales and, oh, it's just so cool. Yeah. So that, that's definitely my, my favorite part of of the United States. And then of course you've done tons and tons of cycling outside of the United States. And I'm super interested to hear about some of your favorite places because that's something that I have not done yet and definitely need to is get out of the U.S. with my bike. You haven't gone out of the U.S.? You've got to get out. (laughs) Well, I have, I Um, have, but not with a bike. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. I, I've, I don't think I've actually gone anywhere outside of the world not with my bike. <laughs> Every place I've gone has been with the bike. And I know you have, a, uh, well, I know you have a sweet commotion bike, but don't you, yeah. don't you also have a foldable bike? I, I used to. I don't have it anymore. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, I spent, I spent nine months at one point riding across Europe on a Bike Friday folding bicycle. Oh, wow. Um, which is kind of cool, but. I just felt like a bear riding a unicycle yeah. sort of thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I ride a regular full-size bicycle now. Okay, okay. But, but, but yeah, I've, I've cycled across, gosh, South America, Africa, Asia, almost every country in Europe. Wow. And Europe is definitely, like, if you want to go cycling somewhere, Europe is the place to go because they're just so set up for for cycling there's bike Mm -hmm. paths in practically every country the infrastructure is just so much better than we have here in the united states Mm -hmm. you know the united states is built for cars and so much of europe is built for cycling wow so yeah you got to go to europe my favorite places in europe would be norway that's that's number one norway is amazing and norway is like one of the most expensive countries in the world but when you go there on a bike tour and you camp, like it, it's actually pretty cheap because you're basically just paying for food. And in Norway, you can camp almost anywhere you want. Like 
you can just roll off into the forest and they're perfectly fine with that. Oh, nice. Whereas that's not really something that you can do in a lot of parts of the United States, for right. example. So, yeah, like I, I, my last trip I was in Norway, I think it was a month, and I spent like $800 and all of that was on food. There was I, maybe $30 of that was camping. Wow. Um, but, but the rest of it was just food, you know? So in reality, a month long bike tour in one of the most expensive countries in the world, $800. Oh, for sure. Know? Yeah. I, I feel like that's a good money well spent. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just, the scenery is amazing. You're, you're, you're cycling along these cliffs and fjords where you're up in the mountains and you're looking down on the ocean, like kind of like the West coast of the United States. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of places in the world where you can be in the mountains and also on the beach at the mm-hmm. same time. Nice. So on my yeah, uh, bucket list my is Ireland. I want to go on uh, a bicycle tour in Ireland. Have you done that? Yes. I spent 30 days cycling across Ireland oh. and it rained for 28 of the days <laughs> <laughs> that I was there. <laughs> so you would not give it five stars. <laughs> well, it was, it was definitely beautiful, but it was, cold and wet yeah, yeah yeah and maybe maybe that was just my timing i mean i've heard of other people who went there and didn't have quite that same experience but but yeah for me it, it, it after 30 days it was just too much and i had to get out of there yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> but but it, it really was one of the beautiful places and and i've been wanting to go to ireland for years so it was kind of a dream come true yeah but yeah i I was freezing my butt off the entire time (laughs) yeah right like my nemesis on a bike is probably going to be headwinds but a close second is being wet and cold you know i can be one or the other i can be cold and bundle up or i can be you know wet in warm temperatures but cold and wet is hard right well, looking yeah, Ireland, though, you should do it. You should do it, I... even after I, my horrible testimonial. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can look ahead at the the best time to go. Although I think there's always a little bit of rain or mist happening there. Yeah, yeah. Um, think about some of the trips you've been on, and maybe any entertaining mishaps or interesting stories we're sharing. Oh, God, there's so many. I mean, <laughs> I've been doing this for 20 years, you know. There's a million mishaps, a million. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of a good story to tell you. Well, a, a lot of the things, when you're bicycle touring, like a lot of the stories don't necessarily happen on the bike. You know, they kind of happen off the bike, when you step off the bike or mm-hmm. around the bike, sort of. Okay. So this story, I'll, I'll tell you, is from my bike tour in South Africa. I spent three months cycling across South Africa, Lesotho, mm. and Swaziland. This was a couple of years ago. And at the end of the trip, I was taking a bus back to Johannesburg for my flight back to Europe. And and I got on this bus, and like I bought the ticket to get on the bus, and I think it was like $60 to get on this bus with my bicycle. And so I get on the bus, I ride back to Johannesburg, and then when I get off the bus, this woman from the bus station says, hey, you, you know, with the bicycle, come here. And I'm like, uh-oh, what's this about, you know? And she says, you owe us $60. And I said, no, no, I already paid the $60. And and I show her my ticket, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And she says, and she says, no, no, $60 for your bicycle. Oh, geez. And, and I said, and I said, no, I already paid the $60 was for me and my bicycle to get here, you know? 
And she says, no, no, the $60 was for you. Now we need $60 for your bicycle. And I'm thinking, oh, good. like, and, and also, like, I'm the only tourist on the bus. Um, I'm the only tourist in the whole bus station and I'm only, I'm the only person on a bike, you know? So I I felt like I'm just getting taken advantage of sort of, you know, and this happens a lot when you're traveling internationally is like, I stand out there like a sore thumb. Right. So I, I was, I was thinking, well, you know, I've never been charged after a ride, you know, a bus ride or a, a plane ride or something like can we have a thousand dollars now that you're off? Of right the plane? now that you've used, <laughs> you know, <laughs> used our service. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I'm fighting with this woman and saying, no, no, I'm not going to pay this thing. You should have charged me beforehand. Blah blah blah. And the whole bus station is like looking at us, and and we're fighting. And there's like four people behind the counter, and they're all saying, I owe them money and stuff. Oh, and so finally, I like I've traveled a lot, and in some instances, you can just kind of walk away, and people will give up on you. You know, so I'm thinking maybe this is one of those instances where I should just walk away and see what they do. But this is also very dangerous. Because You're in a different they could country. Come after me. Right. They could, yeah, they could. And this was also like 10 o'clock at night. So it was like pitch oh, black outside. Yeah. I, I'd never been to Johannesburg before. So I had no idea where I'm going, you know. And and so anyways, I grab my bike and I just start walking out of the train station or bus station. And this and I don't know what's going to happen, you know, and everyone in the station is just kind of looking at me <laughs> in disbelief that I'm just leaving. Walking you know? out, yeah. So, yeah, so I walk out of the, I walk out of the bus station, I go out in the streets of Johannesburg, there's like street vendors everywhere, it's dark, I can't see anything. I make it about, I don't know, 50 feet out of the bus stop when uh, somebody comes up behind me and puts their hand on my shoulder, and I turn around and it's a policeman. Oh, no! And he says... Yeah, he says, come back here. You know, you need to come back. So, uh, and I, I didn't fight or anything. I just said, okay, I'll come back, you know. But I thought, oh, my goodness, this is this could be horrible, you know. And so I go back, and I, again, I just fight with the woman, and, and I say, like, you should have explained to me that it was going to be $60 for my bicycle at the beginning, not at the end, blah, blah, blah. And and so eventually I just say, look, I'll give you $40, but I'm not going to give you $60. I just... I didn't want her to win. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. yes. Um, so I was like, I'll give you 40 bucks. We'll call it a hundred dollar bus ride. And, and, and that'll be the end of it. So that's kind of what happened. I gave her some money, but not quite all of it. Um, but it was just one of those things where it's like, Oh, I just felt like I was being targeted. Yeah. I was, had a bike and yeah. I was an outsider and, and, uh, and, and I'm all alone. I don't, you know, if there was someone else with me, I could have said, what do you think we should do here right. you know, or something? But, well, and when but, you have the yeah, police so, getting involved, then you're like, "Uh, I don't want to yeah, end up I was in totally jail." Outnumbered. Yeah, yeah. There were like two police officers and six people from the company, and everyone in the bus station was all crowded around me, and I'm <laughs> fighting for my life, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. In the end, I figure, okay, forty bucks is worth it to get out of the situation. But uh, it, yeah, you but had that's just like one situation like that. I mean, I've had multiple things similar. You know? Yeah. I, well, so. I was going to say, I read a pretty f- funny, well, it's funny now because you survived it, but where you were told you couldn't bring your bicycle on a train, I believe. And so yeah. your bicycle was sitting outside of the train and then the train started leaving and like the one train conductor was not very friendly. And th- I, that story, like, I literally was like catching my breath, like, what's this guy going to do? Like, 
I don't yeah. even remember where you yeah. were. Were you in Germany, maybe? I was I, I was in Austria. Oh. I, yeah. Because I was alone, I, like, I couldn't bring my bike and all my stuff onto the train in one fell swoop, you know? So I, I went onto the train with all of my bags full of stuff, and I put my bags up above my feet. Mm-hmm. And then I ran outside of the train really quick to grab my bike and bring it on board. And just as I was about to bring the bike into the train, the door slammed in front of me. Oh, gosh. And and the conductor who was in the car right next to me had purposely closed the door so that I couldn't come into the train. Mm. And and he waved his finger at me and said, no bicycles allowed, even though I had just gotten off another train with the bike, no problem. Yeah. And, And I had been told that this bike or this train took bikes. Yeah, so anyways, they cl- he closed the door on me, and the train started to leave the station with all of my stuff on the train, you know, except for the bicycle. I had my passport and clothes and camping for everything on the train, and they were leaving the station. So I threw the bike down onto the ground and started running after this oh conductor as the train was leaving the station, and sl- I was slamming my fist on the window. Um, and believe it or not, the train actually stopped like five feet before it left the station. Oh, basically. my God. Some, yeah, some other conductor way up in the front of the train had seen me running after it, slamming my fist on the door, and had stopped the train to find out what was going on. And then he, he eventually let me into the train with my bicycle. Well, but it was one of those instances where I almost lost everything I owned. Right, because, yeah. right, wasn't yeah. your money, your passport, like everything was on yeah. the train, and you were outside of the train. Exactly. Oh my yep. gosh, that like yep. makes me sweat just thinking about it. Like, like yeah. I don't. Oh, me too. I was shaking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, obviously, right now you don't have to, you know, worry about it. But like at the time, I'm sure. I bet you once you got on that train, you're sitting in your seat going, "What would I have done?" Jeez. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I was like totally shaking and sweating, and I had like cut my finger because I had threw the bike down, so I was like bleeding out of my finger. And I <sighs> sit down, and I was in the I was in the middle seat, of course. Oh god! Between two complete strangers, and they're looking at me like, "What is wrong with this guy? You know, why is he sweating uh, so much?" And, stuff? and wow. I probably hadn't taken a shower in like a week. Too, yeah. So <laughs> well, and they're probably all wondering. Who is that important that they had to stop the train for? Stop the train. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Dang. Okay, so both of, at least one of these stories I know um, you can find on your blog, but do you want to give some highlights of your website and all the things that people can see when they go to it? Sure. Um, I've got 1,200 free articles about how to do bike tours on there and also just kind of blogs from my own trips all around the world with photos and videos and things like that on there. Wow. I have a podcast with, I don't know, a few dozen episodes, not as many as you, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, a lot of the podcasts are stories from my travels or just lessons I've learned on the road. Some of them are interviews with other people. Uh, there's kind of a mix of things there. Mm-hmm. I've got a YouTube channel with I don't know, 600 videos on it at the moment or so um, from my bike tours all around the world. Some of those videos are how-to videos, and a lot of them are just kind of vlogs from my travels. So Mm -hmm. you get to see uh, different parts of the world that you might not ever be able to see for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a store where I sell the bags that I use and my book that I've written that is a how-to book on how to go bike touring, and I've got T-shirts and that kind of thing, too. And then um, there's a calendar page also where I list the bike tours that I am leading. Um, 
that you can join me on mm-hmm. uh, if you're in Park City or in various places around the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of a brief overview of the website. Yeah. yeah. And um, tell us what your book's about. My book is called The Bicycle Touring Blueprint, mm. and it's a 440-page guide to bike touring. It, it teaches you everything and anything you would want to know about how to ride your bike either close to home or all the way around the world. So it's kind of designed for anyone um, wanting to go on a short or long-distance bike tour. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the goal of the trip really is, or the goal of the book is to to get people to do a short bike tours first, you know, close to home. And then once they get comfortable with that, to eventually start doing longer trips further away from home. That's how most people get started. That's how I got started. Mm-hmm. And that's how I recommend most people get started. Mm-hmm. You, know? you don't want to like never have ridden a bike, bike around the world. It doesn't usually work out so good. For right. <laughs> right. And I think I've mentioned yeah. a couple times on this podcast that even if you, load up your bike and just, you know, go across town just, you know, so you feel safe. If you really are panicking in the middle of the night, you can just bike right back home, but to go and find like the community campground or something, and then, you know, be able to set up your tent by yourself or, you know, whoever you're with and enjoy that aspect of camping and being bike touring, but knowing you're fairly safe to um, a bed and a shower and running water. Right. And in a lot of circumstances, you just like call your spouse or something to be like, yes. "Come and get me! I'm miserable." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or something, you yeah. know. Yeah. But but yeah, the, those short trips too are great because they allow you to like test out the stuff that you're using and the way that you're traveling and that sort of thing. You know, like a lot of people carry ridiculous things that they think that they're going to need on their bike tour, but in the end, they don't. You know, oh, I've yeah. seen people carrying like ice chests and things like that, and if you do a few of those local bike trips, just overnighters or whatever, you very quickly realize like, Oh, I don't really need to be carrying this ice chest. I can do without it, you know? And, and then, so you cut that from your packing list. So that when you do longer trips in the future, you're only carrying what you really need to be carrying. So yeah, those, those short trips are really valuable. Yeah. And I would say from my experiences, that's one of the biggest changes I've made in bike touring is the amount of gear I take, um, especially when, you know, I, I don't have a memory of one of my, you know, first tours, but I can guarantee you I had, you know, four jackets instead of one that doubled <laughs> as warmth and rain jacket. You know, I had, I had so much junk. And now yeah. even when you set out your stuff or when I do, before I put them into my bags, I'm like, mm, do I really need six pairs of socks for three day event. No, I don't. And, you know, and I'm not really worried about weight on my bike, but, you know, having to rummage through your bags in the middle of the night or in the middle of a trip, less is definitely better. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when you, when you live a normal life, we've kind of been conditioned that we need all these different things for different conditions, you know? Um, and like a lot of people have like 12 bikes because they do 12 different types of cycling, mm-hmm. you know, um, or like you're talking about 12 jackets for 12 different weather conditions yeah. or whatever. But, but yeah, I mean, when you go on a bike tour, you, you really do have to cut down everything to the bare essentials and become a total, become a minimalist, you know? Yeah. Um, 
which is a good skill to have not only on the bike, I think, but also in life. You know, there's so many things. You can save a lot of money if you just don't buy unnecessary stuff. Oh, man. <laughs> Amen. Know? That should be a, a quote right there. It probably already is. <laughs> well, that. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, that's how I've, like, afforded a lot of my bike trips. Is, uh, so many people say, like, how do you get the money to do this? You know, it's like, well, I have probably less money than most people, but I'm, I'm just such a minimalist that, like, I haven't gone shopping for clothes in two years, mm-hmm. you know, or something like that. And, and if, But if you're the sort of person that buys a new clothing item once a week, well, you you don't even realize how much money you're spending. You know, the, just the money from a Starbucks coffee every day for two years is enough to go off on some epic bike tour around yeah. the world. So oh, yeah. that's the way I look at it is like, I just, I'm such a cheapskate in my normal life that it allows me to go off and do these epic trips. And people say, how do you, how do you afford that? And I was like, well, I just don't spend my money on <laughs> stupid stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you know, buying, like you said, buying a clothing item every week, of course there are people that do that, but then just think of like, yeah. where do you put all that stuff? Like, oh yeah, the more stuff you, you have, have the to buy a storage unit. Yes. To put it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then before you know it, you've got a storage unit plus your home, and oh man, all that. Being a minimal minimalist has many many uh, benefits. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so we mentioned earlier, again, go to your website uh, if you want to schedule a bike event with Darren. But do you have any, like, epic trips or other things planned for 2022 yet? Yeah, well, I I decided not to do an international tour this year just because of COVID and Mm -hmm. everything that's going on. I just, I don't want to get stuck somewhere right now. But, but, uh, so I've decided to just stay in the United States and I'm perfectly happy with that because I haven't actually toured in the United States in a very long time. Oh, sure. I've been doing international tours and stuff. So it's kind of fun to just come back here and maybe approach, uh, my bike tours from an American perspective for a little while. Um, it is very different to cycle here in the United States versus in a lot of places around the world. So I'm trying to be selective, I guess, this year in where I go. I'm, I'm planning to bike across Montana, Idaho, Washington, mm. kind of up in that corner this year. Um, because, one, I love Washington. I've been there, like, so many times. But I just I love the island and the coast and everything. So I want to go back there. And I've never made videos from there. Mm. So I thought it would be kind of cool to make some videos from there. And... And Idaho and Montana are two states that I've barely ever been to. So I I just, and I when I have been there, they've been epic. So mm-hmm. I just thought, I got to go back and see more of these places. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do this year. Oh, that's awesome. And then, of course, there'll be uh, many burrito opportunities in the United States, in my opinion. It might not be the best burritos, <laughs> but you'll definitely be able to find them around the United States. Yeah, that is definitely an advantage to touring in the U.S. I'm from Southern California, so it's like we had, you know, really amazing Mexican food so close to us yeah. all the time, you know. And and so I got spoiled and didn't realize that in other parts of the world, nobody eats burritos. <laughs> <laughs> I thought everybody was eating burritos. Crazy people, what, what's wrong with them? <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. 
Oh, man. Well, okay, so bicycletouringpro.com is your website. And Darren, I am so, so thankful that you came on the podcast and, you know, get the chance to talk to you a little bit. Um, Before we sign off, is there anything that you want to promote or talk about? Oh, yeah. Once again, my website is bicycletouringpro.com. My book is The Bicycle Train Blueprint, if you're new to bike train and want to learn all my tips and tricks to so that you don't have to like suffer on your first bike tour like a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, that book will help you avoid a lot of the problems that first-time cyclists have on their bike tours. Other than that, no, I would just say if you're new to bicycle touring, you've got to give it a try, even mm-hmm. if it's just an overnight trip. I mean, that's such a great way to get started. Just use the bike you have, use the gear you have, mm-hmm. get out there, and then if you enjoy it, um, consider doing more. That's how I got started. That's how so many people get started. And I think that's how you can get started as well. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, Darren. Thank you. Well, listeners, that's it for this week. If you're interested in learning more about my bike tour across the U.S., go to my website, which is morphologypodcast.com, and click on the tab labeled Murph's Biking the U.S. Email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting. Support my podcast at patreon.com slash morphology and visit both my Facebook and Instagram pages for daily entertainment. Also, a quick shout out to Simmons Electric for sponsoring this episode. I have more great episodes in the pipeline, so I hope you continue to be a Murphology Podcast listener. Thank you. Thank you.